You're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his grace. That when we awoke this morning, we awoke in your mercy, in your goodness, in your glory, and indeed your grace. Lord, we ask that we would have eyes to see and behold the goodness of that grace. May we celebrate you this day. May we rejoice in you. And Lord, would you burn a passion in our heart to declare you with courage and conviction and humility in boldness and faith. We pray this for the good of this city. We pray this for our good. And we pray this for your glory. And it's in the precious name of Jesus that we pray. And all of God's people said with one super loud voice. Amen. 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 City on a hill, you may take a seat as you do one. You high five the person next to you. So great. There you go. So great. Uh, to be able to lift up Jesus in song, isn't it? And to do that together. Uh, We're joining uh, with this morning our brothers and sisters at City on a Hill uh, headquarters. So great that you could be with us. And as Stephanie mentioned, for the very first time, we're broadcasting live to people near and far who are joining us at City on a Hill online. Let's make them feel welcome. Love you guys. Why don't you let us know right now where you're joining in from. Just let us know in the comments and do us a big favor and share this and share the love. So great uh, that we can be together celebrating the good news of Jesus. Uh, This morning, we find ourselves on the hill of Galilee. And the disciples are there and their eyes are fixed on Jesus, their king. Right? This is the Jesus who only days earlier was strung up on a Roman cross. And yet they have seen with their own eyes this same Jesus who defeated the grave and rose victorious. This is the Jesus that lives for you. This is the Jesus that loves you. And this is the Jesus who leaves his disciples with one final message before he ascends to his Father in heaven. Standing before them with all eyes fixed on Jesus, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always 
to the end of the age. Over the past few weeks, we have been exploring the Great Commission, and we've seen the power and the authority of Jesus. We've also considered what it means to be a disciple, to take Jesus seriously, to hear his word and observe his commands. And then we heard that this call is is both enriching and life-giving for us, but it is to compel us and to send us out on mission. That we exist to know this Jesus, and as an overflow of our uh, knowing of Jesus, we are to make this Jesus known. Today, as we conclude our series on the Great Commission, I want to leave you with three final observations, three reminders of the significance of this call, uh, three truths that I trust and pray would light a fire in our heart and send us out with great passion and purpose in 2022. If you've got a Bible handy, why don't you come with me to Matthew chapter 28, have that open. First, I want us to see and celebrate that the Great Commission is global. The Great Commission is global, right? So in verse 18, Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of who? Come on. All nations. Go make disciples of all nations. Right? So the disciples are not to remain on the mountain. The disciples are not to get together and form a really tight, holy huddle where everybody looks the same, wears the same clothes, speaks the same language. No, Jesus is sending them out to go and make disciples of all nations. And isn't it fascinating? I love the book of Acts. Isn't it fascinating to see how the early church took a hold of this, right? It wasn't always easy, but you see the Spirit of God compelling and sending them to the nations, right? So take uh, Acts chapter 8. Here we find God's people uh, amidst a, a wave of persecution that's hitting them while they're in Jerusalem, And it's so severe that they're pushed out to Samaria. And who's in Samaria? Anyone? The Samaritans. (laughs) Right? The Samaritans are there. Now, most of you guys who grew up going to church can only think of the good Samaritan. But actually, to the Jewish first century audience, the people of God, the Samaritans were the, the bad guys. There are people of compromise, the people that were half-breeds, right? They, 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 they viewed them with, with suspicion and disdain, right? It's why you see, actually, in the Gospels that when the Pharisees are looking to ridicule Jesus and point the finger at Jesus, they call him, a, call him demon-possessed and a Samaritan, right? In our day, I don't know what the equivalent is. Maybe you got called a Karen or something like that. Right? Or a really bad word starting with C. Right? No one wants to be called a Collingwood supporter. Right? It's, it's really, really bad. And yet what happens? The Spirit of God compels God's people to Samaria, where the Samaritans are. And what do they do? Do they run and hide? Do they point the finger in judgment? No. 
Luke says they began to proclaim the good news of Jesus. In other words, they went into the local Starbucks and they opened up their Bibles and they built relationships with people and they offered people water and they talked about the good news of Jesus. And there's miracles and there's people coming to life. People are giving their life to Jesus so much so that Luke says the city was filled with joy. Wow. Why joy? Because for the very first time, the iron curtain that existed between the Jewish man and the Samaritan man was brought down and they were made what? One. They were made one. One together. One with God. One in Christ. I love this verse by the Apostle Paul who says this to us. There is neither Jew nor Greek There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all what? One in Christ Jesus. How many of you know that's good news? It's good news. Does this negate the significance of our gender or our nationality or social status? No. But it heralds the good news that in Jesus we've been gifted with a new identity that transcends us all. You know what's amazing? You and I, we are a living testimony of God's goodness and grace. By show of hands, who was born in Melbourne? Right? A few hands, and for you guys at Ivers, at City on Hill headquarters, you've got to participate with me, right? Keep your hands raised. So you guys were all born in Melbourne. Praise God for you guys. Uh, who was born um, overseas? Wow, have a look around. Right? Why don't you shout out? Tell me where you're from. Texas. Texas. Canada. Canada. I've got a trend now. Any others? Singapore. Singapore. I heard another Canada. We've got a lot of Canadians here. Right? Already you can feel and see the richness of our diversity. And I haven't talked about gender, haven't talked about religious background. Right? I haven't talked about the different schools that we went to, or the different places that we work, or the different clothes that we like to wear, or the different, right? In Jesus, we are made one. And if you're here today or tuning with us online and you are not yet a Christian, I hope you can see the, the relevance of this truth, the glory of this. You know, because someone who didn't, wasn't raised going to church, when I first went, I, I think one of the first things I felt was my difference to everybody else. It's like one of those churches where everybody looked exactly the same and spoke the same tune, and it was just everyone was the same. And I felt my distance, and I thought, wow, the gospel is good news, but maybe it's good news for somebody else. Somebody who grew up on the right side of the track, someone who grew up with this kind of education, someone who, right? Here is Jesus saying, no, the gospel is good news. Go, make disciples of all nations. Right? And I hope you can feel, if you're a Christian here, how this radically turns on its head our mission and our place and our purpose in this world. Right? I hope you can see that this radically transforms who we are to be and where we are to go. Instead of building walls, Christians should be the first to build bridges. Instead of retreating 
to the comfortable spaces, the holy huddles. We are to be a people of holy fire that sends us out seeking as Jesus seeks and saves the lost. It's one of the reasons I love serving as a missionary here in Melbourne. I love serving as a missionary here. In fact, when reading the New Testament, one of the things you can observe is that the disciples responded to the Great Commission by proclaiming Jesus and planting churches in urban areas. Right? They went to cities to establish the church. They went to cities to proclaim the gospel. El Mola says, a quick look at the New Testament reveals that first century Christianity was, by and large, concentrated in the cities of the Roman Empire. These earliest churches were established in cities like Antioch, Ephesus, Corinth, uh, Thessalonica, and of course both Jerusalem and Rome. The churches established in these strategic cities became the launching pads for missions and church planting. Right now, now clearly God cares for all people no matter where they live. So why this particular priority on urban areas? Maybe it has to do with access, right? Easy port cities to kind of get in and to get out. Maybe it has to do with influence and culture, right? right? If, you, if you want to influence a culture, you, you, you kind of got to be where the businesses are, where the art centers is, where the, where, where the political decisions are, are made, where the education centers are. You, you kind of got to be upstream to influence. Maybe that's what it is. But perhaps the most compelling reason why Christians planted themselves in urban areas is because cities are where lots and lots of people live. Right? I love this quote by Tim Keller. He once quipped, the country is the place where there are more plants than people, and the city is the place where there are more people than plants. Since God loves people far more than he loves plants, he loves the city far more than he loves the country. Right? A little cheeky, but you get the point. Wherever God sees people, God is moved in love. And God loves cities because it's full of image bearers of Him. And it's a diverse city. You know, in, in my time as a pastor, I've had the opportunity to travel to different parts across the world. And one of the things I always see when I come back to Melbourne is just the richness of our diversity. It's beautiful. Right? Melbourne is home to people from over 200 countries and territories who speak over 233 languages. So if you believe the gospel is for all nations, praise God, because the nations have come to this city. For those of you who are new to City on a Hill, it's helpful to know that we planted in the heart of Melbourne, and we have a vision and a passion to reach 10 cities with the beauty, truth, and relevance of Jesus by planting 50 churches. Are there challenges to urban ministry? You bet. It's expensive. Uh, it can be hard to get around. It can be very confronting. And it's certainly not the easiest place to establish and lead a church, particularly amidst a pandemic. Right? The city has been under fire. I saw a post this week from a young woman I met some years ago. As far as I know, she's a Christian. 
And yet here she was on social media telling the world she's leaving Melbourne and never wants to live in a city again. Does that surprise anyone? No. (laughs) Right? Because we've all felt it, haven't we? What we see, interestingly, throughout history, if you go back all the way back, many, many generations, you see that in times of crisis, particularly like a pandemic, many people, particularly those of resources and wealth, fled cities to what was safe and comfortable. But you know what the Christians did? Historically, they remained. They moved in. Why? Because they saw the needs of the city. They wanted to be there on the ground level, to be part of renewal. They wanted to meet the darkness, the wave of oppression, with the light and love of Jesus. And so here is my hope and prayer for you and your family and for this church in 2022 is that we would lean on in. We would recognize what has transpired in our city and we would seize this opportunity to work, to foster community, to serve those in despair to meet people with hope, and to point people to Jesus. Why? Because the Great Commission is global. Second, the Great Commission is vital. It's vital. Right? There was a time, and you, you know this, when it was expected that you went to church. Right? Christianity in Australia was part of the was a social and cultural norm, right? And, and, and everyone here today listening online knows that those days are long, long gone. In fact, the last, latest data I've read, and that was pre-pandemic, indicated that less than 9% of Melburnians, it's probably true of all of Australia actually, are part of a worshipping community, right? That's pre-pandemic, less than 9%. What does that mean? It means the vast number of people in your neighborhood and your network are most likely not in a saving relationship with Jesus. The vast number. And it's important that you and I grapple with that. Because this is our time. This is the generation we are in. And God loves this city. He loves your local barista. He loves that young girl at drive through Maccas. He loves your boss at work or the lecturer you'll meet at university. He loves that strange uncle you have. God loves this world. Jesus himself said that. God loves this world. And Jesus' heart, oh, it burns for the lostness of this city. You know, just as Jesus wept over the lostness of Jerusalem, so the Holy Spirit grieves the lostness that we see in our world. It's not just that our, uh, it's, it's not that the hearts of people in our world aren't looking for meaning. 
It's not that they're not asking questions and searching for significance. It's just that right now, they're trying to fill it with whatever they can in the world. Right? Just, just consider for a moment. Well, actually, let's raise hand. How many, this is a stupid question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. How many of you found the pandemic difficult? Oh, everybody puts up a hand. Right? It's frustrating. It's difficult. Imagine doing that without Jesus. Imagine when you're a person who's put all your hope and trust in the world and you have now seen that world being shot through. It's no wonder we're seeing our world run in fear and despair. We who are in Jesus know the futility of this world. And we also know, if we're taking God's word seriously, how serious the situation is for those who are not in Christ. Right? The Bible tells us, doesn't it, that all fall short of the glory of God. All seek after the world. All say no to God. And Romans says that the wages of sin is what? Death. Right? In other words, it doesn't matter how active your life is. It doesn't matter how successful you've been in your career. It doesn't matter how, much, how many people you've dated or even how good of a person you are. You might be leading the charge in social action and justice. If Jesus is not at the center of it, then you are by definition living in sin. And the Bible says the wages of sin is And we know a day is coming. I mean, Christ is coming. And the world is going to give an account. And just as God separated light from darkness in the first creation, so we know that he's going to separate light from darkness in the new creation. Those who've said yes to Jesus will be welcomed into his life. An abundant life, a forever life. Those who've hardened their hearts said no to him, lived for themselves, built their identity on the world, will, as the Bible says, be cast out into darkness apart from God's presence forever. How many of you uh, caught the movie uh, Don't Look Up? Right? I think it's like number one uh, Netflix viewed movie of all time. I, I don't want to give away any uh, spoilers, but it's a, a satire about two um, kind of low-level astronomers uh, who discover that this huge comet is coming to Earth. It's what they call a planet killer. And the world is just a few months away from complete destruction. And yet, as you can see in the trailer, almost no one takes them seriously. The world is distracted by entertainment and superficiality. The media is obsessed with sugarcoating reality. And the president of the U.S. is useless. Right? There's, there's a scene, again, you can see this in the trailer, <laughs> where they're sharing this news, this terrible news about the comet to the U.S. president, who responds and she says, let's just sit tight and assess. In other words, sit back and do nothing. Now, the movie is obviously challenging 
the propensity of our culture to blind their eyes to serious issues. But I hope you can see how a movie like that serves as a parable to us all. As a Christian, I can't help but watch that and see the gospel. I love this world. I love the people that make up our life and our world and our culture and our city. But sometimes I'm stunned by how blind we are to the reality of God and the imminent return of Christ. Judgment and destruction is coming and yet we're so easily distracted. So easily drunk on superficiality. Binging Netflix and talking about what she's wearing and who he's dating and what this celebrity is all about and watching endless cat videos where they put their head in the cake and like that's that's our life and yet here is our world on the precipice of eternity and here we are being entrusted with the gospel So what are we to do? Asks one of the astronomers. Leo says, we have to release the information. We have to leak it out. One way or another, we've got to get the news out. How much more for those of us who have the gospel? How much more for us who are in Christ? Jesus comes to our world with good news. It's not just true news, it's good news. He's come on a rescue mission, and he's leading the charge, and he says, come, follow me. I'm going to seek and save the lost. And so we've got to get the message out. That's who we're called to be. Does that mean you need to be a preacher or a church planter? Maybe, (laughs) But sometimes it could be as simple as inviting a neighbor, a friend, a work colleague to church. Sometimes it can be as simple as saying, hey, I'm part of this thing. It's called a gospel community. Uh, We hang out, we talk, we ask big questions, we explore who Jesus is. Would you like to come along and give them an opportunity to experience Christian community and see the difference? Maybe it's about you going out with your work colleagues on a Friday night and sharing a few drinks and inviting them, being so bold to invite them to join you in attending Alpha. I mean, Alpha happens all across the world. People giving their life to Jesus because it's a great way to ask questions and seek out the truth. You can even run your own Alpha for your friends and work colleagues and neighbors. Right? Whatever means necessary. Think this week creatively. We should be leading the charge in innovation and not overlooking the simple things. I love how Andy Judd uh, shared last week about texting his uh, barber, just inviting him, hey, do you want to catch up some time and talk about the Bible together? Who would have thought he'd say yes? It's incredible. Right, And here's what I want to underscore. This is something we each need to take personal responsibility for and at the same time remember that we're all in this together. Right, Jesus didn't single out just one of the disciples. He calls all of the disciples. He's talking to them. He's talking to us. 
And so I want to share with you like, just some of the ways we at City on a Hill are seeking to make disciples this year. As a church, we're going to continue to prioritize our gospel gatherings on Sundays and our gospel communities through the week. These are the two core pillars that make up our mission and our discipleship as a church. And we thank God that through our gospel gatherings and in our gospel communities, we have seen across our years hundreds of people give their lives to Jesus. That's why they matter. That's why we exist. And that's why we're praying that in 2022, we'd continue to see more and, people, more and more people come to know Jesus and go from death to life. And for those who were with us last year, you'll know that uh, we stepped out in faith with Reimagine, a series of new initiatives to help strengthen the body of Christ and advance our mission together. One which we've heard about uh, already this year is a discipleship program called The Greenhouse. I am... I, I am so very pumped about this. I think it's so easy for, for, for churches just to kind of uh, work on the surface. This is an opportunity to go deep, to call people to go deep in Jesus, to strengthen their love. You might have been a Christian for 10, 20 years. It doesn't matter. We all have an opportunity to go deep with Jesus. And the goal of the greenhouse is not just to fill our heads with more knowledge. The goal of the, the greenhouse is to ignite a flame in our heart for mission. That we'd go and make disciples. If you're sitting on the fence, you've heard about it, let me just encourage you to dive on in. The first year, what could possibly go wrong? Great opportunity for you to, to be involved. And I want you to know that at City on a Hill, our mission is not just for this city. We've got a lot of work to do in this city. But it's also that commitment to 10 cities. So I've got some pretty cool announcements for today. Uh, normally we announce these kinds of things with a big trailer epic video. This is it. Uh, today, uh, we are welcoming uh, Pete Stevens. Give it up for him. Uh, some of you will know uh, Pete. Uh, he's part of City on Hill Geelong. He's been there for some time, serving there. He uh, is doing work uh, in, in Whittington and looking to plant a church with City on a Hill in Whittington. For those of you who don't know Whittington, it, it's one of the uh, high levels, unemployment, uh, socioeconomic, really, really low, lots of people doing life tough. Uh, already with his core group, he's got people, some have just come out of prison, many unemployed, people battling addictions, and he's like, I want to be there that the gospel may go out. So he's with our church planting residency this year with a view to see that church planted in the coming season. Praise God for that. Uh, and I'm also pleased to announce that here in Melbourne, and this is definitely a clap moment, we are welcoming Ben Hewitt together with his wife Suja and three kids. I believe he's here today, wherever he is, wave a hand. There he is. Right? Uh, so thankful for you, Ben. Uh, ben uh, was born and, and raised in Northern Ireland. Uh, he then moved to Melbourne. He's been serving in, in ministry and mission uh, in this city for the past 10 years. Uh, and he's joining our church today um, to be part of our church planting residency. Uh, as part of that, he's going to be overseeing our ministry to youth as well as pioneering some of our work with students, which we're really passionate about. And he's also, Lord willing, we're working together, prayerfully, hopefully, boldly looking to plant a new church in Ballarat. Come on, come on, come on. Uh, 
Uh, we've loved people who's tuning in from Ballarat. Some have even drive in on Melbourne to, from Ballarat and just see huge gospel opportunity there. So praise God for that because this is who we are. This is who we are called to be, right? The Great Commission is global. The Great Commission is vital. Finally, the Great Commission, can you believe it, is achievable. <laughs> the Great Commission is achievable. Notice I didn't say the Great Commission is easy. The Great Commission is definitely not without its challenges. In fact, if we try and go out in our own strength, it's, it's destined to fail. Right? Just place yourself for a moment in the, in the shoes of these first disciples. Uh, they are small in number at this point. Uh, they have not had top education. They don't have heaps of resources. What we see in the gospel is that often they're just stumbling around with their own insecurities, doubt, and sin. And yet Jesus sends them out, the gospel is proclaimed, and people go from death to life. It's incredible. And we are here today. And we are here today united with millions throughout history and around the world. People who've said yes to Jesus. Now, what do we put that down to? Well, consider Jesus' final, final words. After sending them out, he says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, that word behold, you might want to underscore that because it means please note this. Please check this out. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Some years ago, um, I was wrestling with my own call as a church planter. I was a few years into the church, and, and we were seeing lots and lots of people come. It was growing really, really fast, and I was feeling way in over my head. And I was wrestling with, with my call as a leader and what I'd gotten myself into, and found myself uh, reading the story of Moses in the book of Exodus. We journeyed through the book of Exodus, I think last year or the year before, but I found myself reflecting on the life and leadership of Moses. Because on one hand, we know Moses, don't we, as this really towering figure of the Old Testament, mighty and strong and courageous, leading God's people through the Red Sea. And yet his backstory is not so straightforward. He was orphaned as a kid. Uh, we see that he has these anger issues and ends up killing a guy in Egypt. And out of fear for his own life, he flees Egypt. He then spends 40 years essentially in the wilderness, living on a farm, retiring, playing Wordle with friends. Right? He's just completely checked out of life. And so as a leader, I'm like, well, what happened? What transformed him from this retreating, comfortable, safe existence to Moses? And the answer, of course, is the burning bush. The burning bush, he encounters God. And what does God do? God reveals his glory to him. Moses, stop looking at yourself. Look at me. I'm the great I am. Not I was, not I will be. I am. And then out of the identity of God, he shares his what? His mission. 
Hey, I've heard the, the suffering and the cries of my people in Egypt, and I'm sending you, Moses. You are going to herald good news of my redemption. You are going to declare freedom from the oppressor, salvation in the promised land. And how does Moses respond? Joy and enthusiasm? No, he freaks out. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? I'm not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. And then eventually, oh my Lord, please send someone else. (laughs) Ever felt like this? Ever felt out of your depth? Ever wanted to be part of the Great Commission, used by God in powerful ways, and yet crippled by your own insecurity and self-doubt? I've been preaching now for probably like 15 years, and yet there is still not a Sunday that I get up to preach without knots in my stomach. And even through the week, whether I might be talking to an Uber driver or a neighbor or a local barista, so much of my soul is like, tell them about Jesus. Step out in faith, guy. And yet I can feel the rejection, the rolling of the eyes, and just squash into myself. Right? We all feel this, don't we? What do you need? What do we need more than anything else? The presence and power of God. What does God say to Moses amidst his fear and doubt? He says, Moses, I will be with you. Not Moses, you're amazing. Not Moses, you've got all the gifts and talents. Not Moses, you've got the coolest beard I've ever seen. You're going to make a difference. Moses, I will be with you. And so here's Jesus before you today, revealing who he is, all authority and glory and honor. Here is Jesus sharing his mission. Go, make disciples of all nations. It's not the great suggestion. It's a great commission. And amidst our fears and doubts, Jesus says, and behold, I will be with you always to the end of this age. I will be with you. My presence, my power will be with you in the cafe. My presence, my power will be with you in the lecture hall. My presence, my power will be with you in the boardroom, at the pub. My power, my presence will be there at the playground. My presence, my power will be with the body of Christ when you come together in his name. Could you imagine if each person in this room and at City on a Hill headquarters and people listening in near and far, if every one of us arose every day in the knowledge that Jesus himself is with us. That's what transformed the early church. They didn't muster it up themselves. The Holy Spirit rained down and they walked out in his presence and power. City on a Hill in 2022, I... 
I long that these final words of Jesus before his ascension would be your first priority. Because the Great Commission is global. It's vital. And in the presence and power of Jesus himself, it is achievable. Now, as the band comes up and we prepare to respond, uh, I'd like to pray for us in something of a commissioning prayer. I know uh, already we've commissioned uh, our gospel community leaders and those who serve on Sunday, and we thank God for them. Uh, Let's be reminded that, that we all have a mission here. Wherever we are, we're called to be a city on a hill, to shine light. And so if you are in Christ, I'd love you to stand uh, with us right now as I lead us in a time of prayer together. And as you stand, you might like to just put your hands out in a a posture uh, of dependence upon God. Father in heaven, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his light and his love and for his great desire to see this this world one to him. Thank you that right now, across our world, people are coming to know Jesus. People are going from death to life. And a day is coming where all will see the glory of God. And we pray, Lord God, in faith that you would use us now Send us out, we pray, in your power. Help us, Lord God. Be our comfort. Be our strength. Be our courage and our conviction. And as we stand in this posture of prayer, Lord, would you bring to mind the people in our life who you want us to share the gospel with? Help us to just imagine right now in our mind and our heart those who we know are not yet in a saving relationship with you. And we pray for them right now. We pray that you would unveil their eyes to see the good news of Jesus and help us, Lord, to be that bridge, to be that guy or girl who encourages them, invites them, points them to Jesus. We pray this for their good, for our good. We pray this for the good of our city and indeed the glory of your name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.